This is a sermon brought to you by Good News Bible Church, where we believe we should love God, love others, and make disciples. We are located in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood and invite you to join our family live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we praise and worship with songs and learn about God through the study of the Bible. You can visit our website at goodnewschi.org. That's goodnewschi.org. Let's turn now to hear what the Word of God has for us this week. Good morning, everyone. My name is, uh, I'm Pastor Angel, and as always, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you all here today. Um, and I'm excited. We are starting a new series today uh, titled, God's Unfailing Love. And we find ourselves in the book of Malachi. So you can have your Bibles ready uh, to Malachi chapter 1. We'll be reading that shortly. Uh, God's Unfailing Love, the sermon series. But I want to start by asking you guys for a favor. Um, in order to properly go through the book of Malachi uh, over the next couple weeks, uh, I want to start off by setting, uh, giving you some, some background information and uh, setting the foundation for what's to come. So there's going to be a lot of details in the beginning um, before we get into chapter 1 specifically, uh, but I think it's important. So my favor to ask is that you guys bear with me and, as we get through some of those details and, and track along. Um, quick story, when, when I was at, a, about 10 years ago, I was at a, a church uh, where me and two buddies of mine uh, were sitting somewhere in the section as the pastor was preaching, and uh, we were always very excited about the message that the pastor would bring. And we were newer to that church, so we were really enjoying that pastor's passion and the way he preached, and we're, we, we sat next to each other, and uh, as we were, week by week, we're like, all right, what is he going to bring us today? What is he going to bring us today? And we're excited. So he's preaching, and when there were certain preaching points, we would get excited. We would, like, bump each other. Did you hear that? Did you write that? And so this went on for a couple of weeks before I heard from a brother that had been a long member of that church saying, hey, um, just want to ask, like, what's going on with you and your friends over there? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, pastor says that every Sunday when, he, uh, when he's preaching, you guys are, seem to be, like, making fun of him or, or you know, joking around or distracted or talking. I said, no, no, no. I was like, no, please tell pastor that that's not what's going on. We're actually really, really excited about what he's saying. He's like, oh, okay. So we, we hashed that out, and then we talked to pastor later, and he was like, okay, that makes me feel better. This whole time, I, th- I uh, mistook that excitement for you guys just joking around. I was like, no, pastor, you've been delivering a good word. So um, I say that because sometimes we need to be reminded of that young, zealous enthusiasm for God's word and, and what's going to be brought. And so bear with me. That's the favor that I have to ask with you as, as we get started, and uh, i give you some background. So as, as we open up the series, like, as I mentioned, I want to spend some time with some background information to help you understand where we find ourselves today and as we study the, the word together. Malachi was a prophet who followed Haggai and Zechariah, and it's important to understand that Malachi wrote this approximately 430 B.C., after the Israelites returned from their Babylonian exile. The Israelites were excited as they returned from the exile and start the rebuilding of the temple, as we preached about last year in uh, the book of Nehemiah. The temple had been rebuilt for almost a century now, and people were losing their enthusiasm for worship. Why? Because the exciting messianic prophecies of Isaiah, 
Jeremiah and Micah had not been fulfilled yet. We need a, a Jeremiah in our church because we already have an Isaiah over there and a Micah, uh, Rachel Rogrexon, so someone we can point, point at for this. But uh, anyways, apathy and disillusionment had begun to settle in, and many of the sins that brought the downfall of Jerusalem were still being practiced. So they wanted the promised Messiah to arrive already to bring peace and justice for all, but because it had not happened a hundred years after the exile, they fall into some of the same old sins and become corrupt. Stay with me now. The reason I'm telling you this is because now we begin to get a glimpse into the prophetic message that Malachi is delivering to God's people and why it is necessary. The purpose of this book is to confront the people with their sins and restore the relationship with God. Malachi confronts the hypocrisy going on by portraying a sort of graphic dialogue uh, between a righteous God and hardened people. And he does this in a sort of, in a way that sort of uses this dramatic use of questions asked by God and his people as they go back and forth in disputes. So if you, so you see the problem is broken relationship and we will see an indictment from the Lord. Then comes the solution as God gives the answers to mend the relationship. That's what we'll be seeing here. God exposes their sin through the prophet Malachi in the first couple chapters and then confronts their sin in the following chapters. So, I think that's enough of the background for you to get a good hearty grasp on what to expect over the next four weeks as we talk about God's unfailing love. So now let's get straight into the scriptures. Join me in Malachi chapter 1. This is the last book of the Old Testament. So you can flip through your pages and almost jump right to the New Testament Matthew, with the book of Matthew. But we're in Malachi chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 through 14 out of the ESV. And it says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, How have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest, you despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar? But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table is, may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? 
And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from, from your hand. Will he show, you, show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Far from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what, is, what, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, like this, this is so much work. What are you, like this, you're asking for a lot. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? Final verse. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Sounds like a, almost sounds like a little bit of boasting if you don't know God, but if you and I talk like that, it is boasting, talking, calling ourselves a great king. But if you know God, you know that that is very true. And he is allowed to talk that way as creator. He is king. He is great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Uh, and the gift of, of, of Malachi, the book of Malachi, Lord. I pray that over the next couple of weeks we uh, really see the warnings that uh, God was giving his people through the prophet Malachi. And I pray that you help us all today to have an open heart and mind to receive your word and to apply it to our lives, to take action, to take heart, and to be faithful to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The beautiful, uh, the beautiful dish set you just bought to host your guests for dinner breaks as you accidentally knock it over while trying to prepare your kitchen. Your child's favorite stuffed animal gets left behind on a park bench and you don't realize it until it's gone and too late. In your anger, you punch through a drywall and break a hole. Accidents happen. We make mistakes. Things break which cost time and money to repair or replace. Broken relationships, however, are more costly and not easily healed. The things we say and do to others can have an impact of a lifetime. It can be an unfortunate memory that may never be forgotten. We can't just fix relationship problems by purchasing a new dish set or stuffed animal or patching up that drywall. But beyond that, most tragic is a broken relationship with God. God loves us so God loves us faithfully and yet we turn against him and choose living for ourselves instead. 
but hope is not lost. God has the power to mend relationships and forgiveness is available. This is what we'll see throughout the book of Malachi and some of what we'll be talking about today. God's continuous love for his people. Despite the many different ways we have, they, they have disobeyed, dishonored, and defiled his name. I think we find that, like the Israelites, we too show contempt for God in our actions, in our selfishness, in our selfish lifestyles, in our ungrateful hearts of complaints questioning whether God really loves us. The title of my sermon today is, I Have Always Loved You. I have always loved you. And if you're taking notes, my first point is his love, our complaints. His love, our complaints. Let's look at uh, verse 2 again. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob? Hear me. God's first message through Malachi was, I have always loved you. And although this message applied specifically to Israel, what does Israel represent? God's people. So it is still a message of hope for God's people in all times. Unfortunately, many people are cynical about God's love using political and economical progress as a measure of success. In Malachi, because... In the book of Malachi here, because the government was corrupt and the economy poor, the Israelites assumed that God did not love them. Because the government was corrupt and the, and the economy poor, the Israelites assumed that God did not love them. But they were wrong. God loves his people. He always has, but because we can't see him, we tend to have short-term memory and forget his immense love for us. And even with people that we can't see, we still have short-term memory for how much they love us, right? Our spouses, our siblings, our parents, our friends, they say, I love you. And sometimes in the back of our minds we think, what have you done for me lately? I don't see it. I want to see your love. And we fail to remember all that that person has done to demonstrate their love. Oh, how much more pathetic it is when we question God's love. And I say that with love and understanding in my heart because I too have questioned God's love for me. I am that impatient, short-minded person saying, God, do you even love me? But when we take a step back and truly reflect on all that God has done, we go, ah, I see your deep and vast love for me. I remember, and we stop growing insensitive to all that God gives and does for us. Um, my daughter's birthday was this past week on Wednesday, and we were able to celebrate her, and she received a, a bunch of gifts, and, and it was great. And one, one card came in the mail uh, from Florida, from a friend we have in Florida, and the friend wrote very kind words to Issa Levy, saying how proud of, 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 of uh, her she was, the sh turning five years old. And as we read the card to her, she says, Mama, Papa, but where's the gift? 
where's the money, where's, where's the gift card? And we tell her, this is the gift. She, was, she's gotten, she had gotten a couple cards already with something in it, and she's like, she was confused. I'm like, this is the gift. She loves you so much that she thought of you all the way from Florida. She couldn't be here, but she wrote you a card, and she wrote, expressed her love to you. And she just sat there and pondered upon that. And we, we, we've talked about every four years doing something where we don't, we throw them a, a birthday party to celebrate them, and we ask people to come, but we ask them not to bring any gifts, to teach our, our, both of our daughters the value of relationships and people that love them, because oftentimes they get caught up in the, in the gifts. And I think about God's love in our complaints and how oftentimes we miss the point. We forget all that he's done for us, and we have our set expectations. She had an expectation that in that card there would be something for her, a physical, a, 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 a gift other than the words. And she was uh, let down when she realized that that was not the case. And we do the same thing. We set expectations for God and things that we want. And when they don't happen, we become disillusioned and say, does this person even really love me? Does God love me? So I say, remember what he has done in your life, but also read your Bible and see how he has shown his love for his creation all throughout history. That's another example of his love. My second point for you today is praise him for his protection. Praise him for his protection. Uh, let's look at verse 3 and 5. It says, But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, They may rebuild, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Praise him for his protection. So what do we see here? Protection from God. He tells his people that he has held their enemies from growing stronger than, than them. And he says, I love you. And they ask how. He reminds them of their life and ancestry. And furthermore, I have protected you from your enemies. If they rebuild, I will tear them down. I have always and will continue to protect you. That's another way that God demonstrates his love. So praise him for his protection. Do you know how many times God has protected you on the road from a distracted driver or a drunk driver or a shooting or from a home invasion, among many other things? And if you have been harmed in your life by any of these examples I just listed, I don't want you to think for an instant that I am saying you're not protected by God because you are here today, and we praise him for that. And the day that he takes us with him, we praise him for that too. But my, my point is, he demonstrates his love by his protection in things seen and unseen. We take so much for granted and have the audacity to question God's love without stopping to think of the, many thing, of the many ways he's actively demonstrating his love. Moving on to our third point is uh, unworthy sacrifices, sloppy seconds. Unworthy sacrifices, sloppy seconds. 
Now, this is uh, verses 6 through 14. Uh, we'll be moving on to verses 6 through 14. This is what we're going to see here. And I'm not going to read it uh, again because we're running short on time here. But, um, but what we see here is that God accused them of offering imperfect sacrifices. And he was greatly displeased. The people sacrificed to God wrongly through their selfishness, bringing a cheap uh, a che- bringing a cheap, uh, as cheap as possible offering, neglect, not caring how they uh, offered their sacrifice, and three, just outright disobedience, sacrificing in their own way and not as God had commanded. Their methods of giving showed their real attitude toward God. Their methods of giving showed their real attitude towards God. Do we do the same things? Are we selfish toward God? Do we neglect and not care? Do we outright disobey him? For those of you who are married, uh, I want you to think of your spouse at at this moment. And for those of you who are not married, uh, I want you to think of a close friend of yours. How do you feel when that, you know that person is giving you their sloppy seconds or leftovers. When your spouse comes home from work tired all the time and does not want to engage in a relationship with you, or your spouse is at home with the kids all day and you come home ready and excited uh, to be received and cherished, but your spouse is too frustrated and exhausted. And for those who are not married, how do you feel for my married folks on that? And then for those of you who are not married, when you invite that close friend over for dinner and they show up extremely late all the time or ha- have a habit of canceling on you last minute all the time, or even worse, they just flat out blow you off and, don't, and you don't hear from them, how does that make you feel? Now listen, church, I know that life is very real and we are all limited, weak human beings. I am the first to admit that. But we all have feelings. And my point is that God's people here in Malachi were offering God their sloppy seconds, their leftovers. And we sometimes do the same thing to him with our time and attitude toward him. If we give God only our leftover time, money, and energy, we repeat the same sins that these worshipers who didn't bring anything then as these worshipers who didn't bring anything valuable to God what we give God reflects our true attitude toward him in that moment another thing we see here is that God charged the priest with failing to honor him and failing to be good spiritual examples to the people the worship of God was no longer from heartfelt adoration. Instead, it was simply a burdensome job for the priest. And as I took a long, hard look at this text, I thought about my responsibilities as one of your pastors. And I want to confess that at times I have given God my leftovers. More specifically, this week, as I was tasked with preaching, I felt overwhelmed with the things I had going on in my life this week. And I don't want to get into specifics because I was being pulled in about eight different directions, 
and with responsibilities that I don't want to bore you with uh, today. But what happened is that I felt I could not get up here and preach today. I had way too much going on. And while it was, uh, lots of it was ministry and great things, I just felt overwhelmed by it, by it all. So what happened? I felt somewhat paralyzed. Paralyzed by it all. By it all. And although I had studied the text, I did not know what God wanted me to say to you all today. So what did I do? I immediately confessed it to my wife and my fellow brothers, the pastors, and those that uh, I'm living life with. And I prayed. And yesterday, I was in that pastoral office across the street, giving God all of my worries, repenting for giving him my leftover time when it came to preaching. This is a weighty task, and I must honor that. It's a serious task, which is why I feared it in the first place, but I agreed to be here, and I must honor that. Thank you, Pepsi. So, as I prepared this message, as one of your pastors, I took a long, hard look, and I had to repent for some things. And that, now, what about us, church? What about the rest of us? The church's reflection in the priests. The priests served as intermediaries between God and the people at that time. And they were responsible for reflecting God's attitude and character. By accepting imperfect sacrifices, they were leading people to believe that God accepted those sacrifices as well. But God says, I am not pleased with you. Now that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and died on that cross to atone for our sins as a living sacrifice and rose on the third day to show his splendor and glory, he is our intermediary. So as Christians, we are often in the same position as these priests because we reflect God to our families and friends. So what image of God's character do they see in you? If you casually accept sin, are you like these priests in Malachi's day? Then God is not pleased with you. Hmm. Now, I'm sorry if that sounds a bit rough, but sometimes we have to take a hard look in the mirror and face the truth of our actions and, our, and behaviors and reflect on who God is to us. And, and you know what? Malachi was not afraid to talk about that. We must be loyal to God and his scriptures as we study and seek him in our lives. And we can't skip over parts that don't sound good or, feel, feel right, or that don't feel right to us. Some people think that following God is supposed to make life more comfortable to them. They're looking for a God of convenience. The truth is that it takes commitment and hard work to live by God's high standards. We may face poverty, or suffering, but if serving God is more important to us than anything else, what we give up is nothing compared to what we gain, eternal life with God. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, at this time, we, I, I pray that you, you help us all here as we hear Malachi's warnings as we hear your warnings to your people, to the prophet Malachi, 
I pray that we take the time to reflect on our own lives and hear these warnings as they are. That we would see the times that we are complaining and we forget your love. Your love and we give you our complaints. I, I, I pray that you help us to see it all and how you, we can praise you for your protection and the things seen and unseen and how you love us dearly and you always have. Let us not forget that, even in the hard times. And lastly, I pray that we wouldn't give you unworthy sacrifices or, or, or our sloppy seconds, Lord. I pray that you would help us to prioritize you. This has been a presentation of Good News Bible Church, where we equip people to love God, love others, and make disciples. To help support our mission, please visit our online giving portal through our website at www.goodnewsshy.org.